0: This
2: episode, episode one sixty nine, very very nice. Of for the love of the game show on the Bleed Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. A little live tour action. Bet Online continues to be the n- top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head over to bet online today on your mobile device or desktop join today and make your first sports bet use promo code believe 50 that's b l e a v five zero to receive 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's again 50 percent on your first deposit using promo code believe 50 b l e a v 5-0 bet online where the game starts with that said episode 169 for the love of the game let's get this right, work What it do, episode 169 for the love of the game with yours truly, ATH, back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and again, dog days of summer, but there's a little bit extra this week, a little bit extra going on, maybe just the news cycle, the rumor mill, so let's dive right in, we have a recurring guest, a special recurring guest, where we're going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and their inability to sign any free agents and win free agency basically for the better part of the last decade. But we got to talk some New York stuff right now, so let's kick it off. The New York Yankees, I know they won last night. Again, we're coming to you on a Tuesday morning. Had a nice bounce back win against the Mariners, but they had a five-game skid. Listen, this stuff happens over the course of an 162-game season. However, however, there is a little bit of cause for concern, right? A little bit of cause for concern because the Yankees for the better part of a while now have been basically about a 500 team. So it's not great, not great. Now they're choosing to rest guys. There's no continuity in the lineup. They've been hit with the injury bug recently. Stanton, Rizzo, the bullpen is banged up. So there hasn't been that continuity that you would expect For a team that's that was humming the way that the Yankees were humming. But there is, as I mentioned, some concern, right? Garrett Cole, like, you gotta get your shit together, man. All right. When he's bad, he's really bad. And we can't have that. Just can't have it, okay? Gotta get your shit together. Josh Donaldson, I know he's starting to wake up a little bit. Andrew Benatendi started out brutal for the Yankees. I know he's starting to wake up a little bit, but. We need more from you guys, especially Donaldson, considering he has to play with Rizzo out. I'd like to see Donaldson get less and less at-bats, but that means Rizzo's going to have to play first and LeMayu's going to have to play third, meaning Rizzo's going to need to be healthy. When Rizzo's get back, the lineup will look a little bit different. They need Stanton back in a big way, but the pitching has been a problem, and Garrett Cole's a part of that problem. We can't have these blow-ups where he's just giving up long ball after long ball after long ball like enough is enough already, man. We paid you over $300 million to be an ace, okay? You have to be 85% as good as Max Scherzer, and right now you're not. So that's a problem, but the biggest problem with the Yankees right now is the bullpen and Clay Holmes. Neck and neck with Edwin Diaz for the title of best reliever in the league, and he has been anything but since, all right? Meltdown after meltdown. He can't find the strike zone, like. He needs to turn it around, or else the Yankees may have to go back to a Aroldis Chapman in the ninth inning, which nobody wants to see, okay? Nobody wants to see. Clay Holmes, you got to get it together, man. Again, they had a nice win last night against the Mariners. Ben got a couple of hits. Donaldson had a big night. Aaron Judge continues to be superhuman. And again, a five-game losing streak happens. It was their first five-game losing streak of the season. But there are certain things and certain trends that need to turn themselves around. On the other end of the spectrum, the New York Mets, everything is good in Mets land. Everything is good in Mets land. They have the three best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Jake DeGrom, who has been otherworldly since coming back. I mean, throwing 102 miles per hour, 95 mile per hour sliders. He's just, he's so much better than everybody else. And then Max Scherzer, okay, if it wasn't for Jacob DeGrom, would be head and shoulders above all the other starting pitchers in the league. Max Scherzer has been an absolute godsend for the Mets, worth every penny, I had said that I wanted the Yankees to get Max Scherzer. The Yankees did not go for Max Scherzer. The Mets got Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's been awesome. And then Edwin Diaz, who's got awesome intro music and is just lights out, absolutely lights out. And the Mets fans in 2019, when Edwin Diaz was not very good and they traded the top prospect, Travis Kalanick, no, that's the former Uber CEO. Whatever Kalanick's first name is, because he's forgettable, because he's hitting 180 for the Mariners and the Majors. So for everybody who's crying about that trade, yeah, the Robinson Cano contract coming back was not great, but whatever. Who cares? The Mets won that trade. Edwin Diaz has been sensational. The walk up music is great. And the Mets right now have the three best pitchers in baseball. So for all the Mets fans who are crying about not getting a bat at the deadline, not getting relief help. And again, the relievers are going to be a little bit of an issue just getting to Diaz from the starters. But the Mets look like, honestly, I and I can't believe I'm saying this, the Mets look like the front runner and the betting favorite, for me at least, to win the World Series. I think the Mets are so much more dangerous than the Dodgers in a playoff series. The Dodgers have a lot of the Yankees complex, where it's a really good regular season team, but they fall on their face in the playoffs and spare me. They won a World Series in a Fugazi year, 60 games, really shouldn't even count, but that's their first World Series win since 1987, I believe. Congrats to the Dodgers awesome, great, you're still a tortured franchise that chokes every year in the postseason. Do you want to see in a, a five-game series or a seven-game series DeGrom twice, Scherzer twice, and Edwin Diaz? Nope, not even close. I think the Mets can win the World Series. and I think the Mets are the favorite to win the World Series. Absolutely crazy. And as a Yankee fan, like I, I would be totally okay with the Mets winning the World Series. It'd be fun. It's a fun team. It's a fun team. I don't have that animosity towards them. I know, maybe I'm crazy, but all is good in Mets lands after taking care of the Braves this past weekend. Unbelievable stretch of baseball that they're on. Really interesting to see if it sustains itself, but man, DeGrom coming back and and five perfect innings, striking out 10, like just absolutely ridiculous. A little bit of Knicks news there's really no news, but Knicks fans are embarrassing themselves on Twitter. We're embarrassing ourselves over this Donovan Mitchell proposed trade, trade rumor, whatever. Knicks fans don't seem to understand that to get the best player in the deal, you have to give up things. You see Knicks fans like, I don't want to give up Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, I don't want to give up anybody. Well, then you're not getting Donovan Mitchell, who's a 26-year-old NBA-caliber player. Like, Nick fans, what do you expect the Jazz to take back in return? Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, and a first-round pick? Like, what do you think is happening here? To trade for something, you need to give something back in return of value. Danny Ainge isn't an idiot. Stop acting like the dumbass Laker fans. Who every year think that Taylen Horton Tucker and their 2029 first round pick is going to generate them an All Star? Laker fans are delusional, and Nick fans right now are acting delusional. Delusional! Stop it! You're embarrassing yourselves. Stop it! It's just driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. Guys, 26 years old, All NBA caliber player who's been top. Four in fourth quarter scoring for the last four years. You need to give up something to get that guy. In other Knicks news, the Knicks played in a pro am in the Bronx yesterday. Toppin was there. New Nick Jalen Brunson was there. Julius Randle was there. I think Emmanuel Quickly was there. They were showing out. And Julius Randle, from the clips I saw, played like trash, was getting booed in the Bronx. Like, I want Donovan Mitchell in the worst way, but I think it, at this point, it's time that the Knicks really need to trade Julius Randle, even more than trading for Donovan Mitchell, as crazy as that is. You got to get the guy off the team. You got to get him off the team. Start OB at the four. It's time. Thank you to 2020-2021 Julius Randle. We enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. But that ride is over. It's time to trade. Julius Randle, got to get him out of here, A-S-A-P. On the other side of town, for the team that nobody cares about, uh, Kevin Durant gave the Nets an ultimatum, basically told Joe Sy, it's either me or the Sean Marks-Steve Nash combo, which is just incredible, considering Kevin Durant handpicked Steve Nash to be the coach. But whatever, I guess that doesn't matter. Kevin Durant just signed an extension, so I fully expect Joe side to go tell him to shove it. I mean, unbelievable. The level of assholeness that is Kevin Durant knows no bounds. Really, really, really astounding. Astounding stuff from him. One last thing from New York sports, New York Giants, reports from camp, is that they're fighting every single day. The Giants offense sucks. Daniel Jones sucks. I fully expect them to go 3-14 this year. And last but not least, I know we talked about The Bachelorette on this show, but there may be another reality show that needs to be discussed on this podcast, and I think I have the perfect guest for it on HBO Max. For those who are not watching F-Boy Island, let me tell you there is something special here. I'm basically done with the first season. And there's this guy by the name of Garrett, who is one of the most special, special human beings I've ever seen on television. Just an absolute gem. It is beyond absurd, beyond absurd. It makes me laugh out loud and we're maybe gonna have to talk about that. With that said, We are going to get into a recurring guest to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, why they can't get free agents, and we're going to talk to him in just a matter of a moment. As I mentioned in the monologue, we're keeping him within the Believe Podcast family. Alex Desopoulos is back. We're talking a little Dallas Mavericks basketball because, quite frankly, I can't keep a day-to-day track on the New York Yankees. At the time of my recording the monologue, a nice 9-4 victory. Last night they lose in 13 innings, one nothing. It's just too much of an up and down roller right now. So we're we're off that right now. Alex, what's going on, buddy? How you doing?
0: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for thanks for having me back. Glad I did a good enough job for for you to bring me back. Although I know that some of it is because you've got some uh, some nits to pick with the Mavs and their off season and I uh, want to give me some grief, huh? I,
2: I just I, I find the Mavericks really interesting. So right now as you know that you know the sports calendar is what it is we had NBA free agency that came in hot early in July right yeah. now it's basically a whole lot of nothing except for Donovan Mitchell fake trade rumors that I just don't appreciate the reports anymore I've said I never believed any of the reports and then we have Kevin Durant acting as beta as possible uh but the Dallas Mavericks came off a Western Conference Finals berth. They let Jalen Brunson go. I'm not really sure how much of a chance they really had, given uh, the ties that he had to the New York Knicks. But they let Jalen Brunson walk. And I'm just confused in terms of what they're doing, right? So it's clear to me, and even when Brunson was there, that who is going to be the secondary ball handler to luka doncic right that was always the biggest issue and it was always a a push and pull in terms of how much usage and how much you know ball dominance luka was going was going to handle and we'll get to how that impacted the the brunson exit but what is it about the mavericks that they can't seem to find the guy that they like to play that secondary role with Luka Doncic and, and why can't they find a ball handler going into the season? And are you confident enough in Spencer Dinwiddie's ability to stay healthy, to be that guy? Or are they really just another body short to you?
0: I do think that, I think they're another ball handler short. I, I'm i not, if they go and get someone that that guy to be, Playing ahead of Spencer Dinwiddie, but but rather a guy who can come off the bench and when we have the second unit in, um, can alleviate some of that pressure. Because I think that what'll end up happening is we'll need some of that supplementary ball handling, at least in the final five minutes of a game in the fourth quarter. And Spencer is going to have to be out there. The thing on Spencer Dinwiddie that I'll say is last year he's coming back from a major injury, right? This is his second year back now, so I do expect him to have a little bit more of that competency from a playmaking standpoint. I think, you know, a lot of times he can kind of get in his own bag and get in the way of team basketball, um, play a little bit like Luca, but unfortunately not many people have the vision that Luca has where he can hit shooters right. and open the floor up. Um, he's also not quite as big as Luca is. So when he gets in the paint, he's, you know, not as much of a threat to finish as Luca is within 10 feet. But I do expect him to take a step forward and to take on some of that scoring role that Brunson had but really only Brunson had in playoffs because and when Luca was out last year when we look at the Knicks' signing of Brunson and how much money he was given you can really only look at the playoffs the playoff performance and justify the amount that they spent on him because even still in the regular season he was better than he had been he's a player that's gotten better every single year but the the you know the metrics and the stats from last year in the regular season don't warrant the pay grade that he got from the Knicks. But I, I think you were absolutely right on the money. Like we, I don't think we had a chance. So I think in comparison to the Tyson Chandler situation, where we absolutely were complicit in not going after Tyson and not bringing him back, this is a different scenario. Um, now it affects the team in a similar type of way, right? Like we are a ball handler short. And even if Brunson had stuck around, I still think, you know, with the heliocentric style of offense that the Mavericks play with Luka at the helm, we needed a better rim runner. We needed better rim protectors, and we needed an upgrade at the wing position and more shooters, right? Like that's that's what we needed, I think, to take that next step forward. And so it's a slightly different iteration. We bring in Christian Wood, who I think will be – who fits that need, right, from – Well, the rim uh, runner for sure. Right. With a little bit of pop, he has got a little bit of
2: versatility. I'm not really sure he helps you defensively, but then again, he hasn't really had to try on defense
0: in a whole right. bunch of years. I don't think he's a net negative on defense. Um right. I think he's a he's a much better rim protector than Dwight Powell. And of course you got JaVale McGee, who for as long as he's been in the league, antics on the offensive side of, you know on the offensive side of the ball aside, and when he was back in Washington when he was dunking on his own basket you know he's come a long way and he's one of the best shot blockers and rim protectors in the league especially in a small I thought that was league. a great signing by the way. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was we- an absolutely great signing for under
2: 7 million dollars a year. That's how if you're not if you're not paying for Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Deandre Ayton or Bam Adebayo, I think you can get center in that you know around $10 million a year, I think that's a win, it's, which is why I, I hated the Mitchell Robinson contract for the New York Knicks. But that's another, you know, point. But so, yeah, sorry, just a yeah, little bit. No, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, like, you bring up a really interesting point, even putting out the question, like, was Brunson the right running mate? And we talk a lot about when we're looking at NBA teams evaluating, like, Who's the one two punch, right? Who's their big three? And unfortunately, when you're in a situation where you have a guy like Luca, you know, you tried the KP thing and you gave up a lot of draft capital for that, and it didn't work. He wasn't the guy that was gonna be the right two with Luca, and you're paying for that, right? And now I think some of it is like, yeah, I'd love to see the the roster get shaken up where we can end up with a guy like Luca. Alongside a guy like Paul George, like they have in Los Angeles with the Clippers, where they have Kawhi and PG, who I I consider both to be top fifteen players. Like at right. this point, we don't have enough draft capital or player personnel to move enough pieces to bring in a top fifteen player alongside Luca. It's, so it's let me ask you this:
2: so let me so let me ask you a question because obviously, Luka Doncic is a tremendous player. He's one of the five best players in the league at this point. Um, but how much of this is sort of on him in a sense, right? Where his style of play doesn't necessarily lend itself to somebody else of that stature, right? In a similar vein, we're, we're going to see this maybe in New Orleans, right? When Zion Williamson was healthy and they went point Zion and it produced tremendous results, but Brandon Ingram was probably on that team being like, yeah, I don't, I don't really enjoy this very much, right? Like, this is just not this is not my thing, you know? I, I'm capable of more. And we'll see what – and he showed out last year. And now Zion's going to be back in the mix. So similarly, like, how much of it is on Luka to evolve as a player where it's like I need to do a little bit less, especially in the regular season? Right? To give guys confidence going into the playoffs that they can that they can do some things. Cause basketball is a rhythm sport, right? It's very difficult right. to just stand around and shoot and and make shots at a 40, 42% clip from three when you don't feel like you're touching the ball ever. And you don't feel like you're moving, you don't feel like you're cutting. You don't feel involved. So, how much of it is on Luca to evolve as a player to become more desirable to play with right because and maybe that was what brunson was looking at where he was just like i may not get the ability to show what i can really do with the style of play and i guess my second second
0: question to that is how much of that is on the coach yeah i mean i think some of it is for the coach aspect jason kidd as a new head coach last year you got to you got to take care of one thing at a time right and for him initially yes let's establish an identity defensively, right? Which he did. And the Mavs became one of the best defensive teams in the league. And I expect that to be, um, you know, a similar consistency with their team this year. And I I will say that like, as far as roster creation goes, you have a couple of guys. It's a really difficult task, as you mentioned, to step up to the plate, be ready, be, be warm at all times as a shooter in the NBA and shoot around 40%. But you look at a guy like Tim Hardaway, who was hurt last year, you right. look at a guy like Dorian Finney Smith, a guy like Maxi Kleba, who's obviously, you know, I like him most as a bench big coming into play. Um, all those guys are always ready to shoot. They're happy to shoot, they're happy to play that role. And that's what they do best. And Bullock was great at that. And and Bullock as well, right? Of the former Nick, obviously. So I think that you have as as good a guys as any really in the league who are willing to to own that role. I saw like a clip of a camp that Dorian Finney-Smith was at with Rolando Blackman and, and Blackman, you know, a a Mavs legend, obviously was, was giving credit where credit was due. And he was like, yes, Luca is great, but people, people don't realize how good this guy is that's next to me right now. And it was interesting because once Dorian stepped up to the mic to address like the campers or whatever, he was like, yeah, but I like watching Luca play too. And I was just like, that's really, that's really poignant. And it's really interesting perspective. But that's the problem, right?
2: That's part uh, of the problem. You can't have guys just stand around and watch because, you know, we've seen it with... I brought this up a zillion times, but you've seen it with James Harden in the playoffs for all the regular season stats. And again, Luka right now is better than James Harden ever was at doing the same charade. And I'm not even saying it is the same charade because Luka's a little bit more inclusive, right? right. But it's still the same thing. Like, it's standing around and watching. And especially if you're looking for if you're talent hunting right and you're looking to bring in that that guy who's going to be that guy of that stature who's just going to be okay with it
0: because i'm not sure that there is yeah i mean it's i mean it's a really valid question and i think all of it comes at a time where the nba the rest of the nba is as good as ever right there's so much parity there's so much talent in the league and it's rich a talent league as there's ever been in the history of the league. And it and it seems far fetched for any team that's centered around one guy to be able to win a title. I I just I don't know if it's possible whether it was Luca in this position or Jokic. I mean I certainly think that their one their top one two three in Denver at full health is way better than than the Mavericks. Now they have to get back to full health and they have to play their way into that um into that, you know they have to play their way back. Right. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. I think you bring up good questions about Luca specifically, but I think he's gotten better every year. I think he's added something every year. I think this year there, there has been a clear focus on his physical health. Because I was I... about to ask you how much did you like that picture of him in Slovenia playing a little summer ball? there there's vans popping out of the arms. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's the type of guy where it's like, if he cuts, he doesn't lose any of his strength. He's, he's a bottom heavy guy. His legs are, his legs are huge. I don't know if you saw the other video of him next to Zion where he looks almost bigger than the guy because he's taller. Right. And he's a broad guy as well. Um, But I think, you know, yeah, his conditioning coming into the season and taking that seriously will impact his burst. Right. He's obviously a tremendous, tremendous ball handler. Um, playing with a rim runner like Christian Wood, who can pick and pop and can pick and roll, which he hasn't had yet, right? You're basically combining Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell into one person and nice. and being able to do both of them. KP was not that type of player. He was not the type of player who could play with Luca, right? And he was never healthy enough to really see it. Like the the prime KP days where we used to call
2: him God Zingus in Madison Square Garden, like those are gone. The second he tore his ACL, it hasn't been the same.
0: For sure. So I think. I want to see how that all plays out. But again, I think it comes down to if Luka can become not just a top five best player in the NBA, but a top three best player in the NBA, or in two years, a guy where we're saying, where we have the debate of who's the best player in the NBA. And if as long as like he's in the conversation and he has real grounds to be that guy, then I think w- the Mavs are at a chance where they can win without the two and three being guys that are the same type of players that LeBron had with Wade and Bosch or Kyrie and Kevin love, but Kevin love at the time, really, like you could have interchanged him with any three right in in the league, any third star. And I think LeBron still would have had as good a shot as winning with the Cavs that he had there. And he, of course he won. Um, I I just think that the, for Luca, it's, it's becoming a, a fine defender, which if you look net defensive rating last year, He's way better than a lot of the rest of the league. He's way better than he gets credit for. Um, that can get even better with the, right. you know, his conditioning. I think there's a there's a ceiling there, right? He's never going to be a great defensive player or a, or a really good defensive player. But in big spots, he can be. And he showed that in the
2: playoffs last year in that Phoenix series where in nut-crunching time, he, he was very, very good on the defensive end. Is he going to be that way? Throughout the regular season? No. Because nobody who, even in as good a shape as he could be, and again, we, as you mentioned, he has a long way to go in terms of his conditioning. But, like, if you carry that much burden of an offensive burden night in and night out, like, you're just not going to be right that great on defense all year. You're going
0: to pick your spots. So I, I can't the, even build the on won the, that. The Warriors yeah. just won the championship, and – Steph Curry picks his spots, right? He, It's about yes. not getting picked on, not being a defensive liability. Right. And, and you know, Steph Curry is, is always a, a top 15 guy in, in steals every year because he's got great hands. And it's the same thing with James Harden. When he did apply himself on the defensive side, he would have nice pokes. But when he started trying, not when he was literally just letting Unfortunately, guys Unfortunately, that time. was maybe like 3% of the season. Right, right. But I think Luka has that same, like, savvy and defensive awareness where he can get his hand in passing lanes. He knows how guys dribble, right? He can, he can read right. some stuff like that. And and he's never going to get back down because he's just that big of a dude. Um, but you know, that's, that's obviously one thing that he has to shore up. I think the conditioning helps open things up for other guys. Um, I want to see him attack the rim as much as possible, especially in the playoffs. Like there are very few guys that can stay in front of him and also get in front of him and be a challenge physically. It's not the same type of bully dribble as LeBron had in his bag. But um, I think you're going to see him with, you know, shedding a bit of that weight. I think you're going to see him up at the rim a lot more this season. And of course, you know, that'll result in him at the foul line. And then it's making sure he's hitting at a consistent clip that's 5% higher at the foul line. If he can get to 80% from the foul line, if he can get to 38% from three, I don't need 40 because that's that's ridiculously high for how high volume of a shooter he is. But I want to get to the and point the where... And the type
2: like, of shots he takes from there. Which right, right. You'd like to see him cut out two or three of those a game.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and of course, like we're still at the point where even with LeBron, as good as LeBron has gotten with, with that little pound dribble three, when I'm watching LeBron play, I'm watching Luka play, when they settle for that type of shot, it's a win for I'm, the defense. It's, it's a win, yeah. So the only guy that I don't feel that way about is Steph Curry, and that's that's just the way it's going to be. But every other player, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a big win for the defense. So that's that's where he has to get better, and we're talking about like we're talking about like ten percent better because seal, he's already so good, he's so yeah. good. Um So I, there's what, what there's a lot of question game? marks with this this yeah, team, go ahead. how things are going to fit together, but I still think. With that said, the current iteration of this roster, I I'll I'll expect nothing less than a top 6 finish with a guy like Luka on your team. So you subscribe to the opinion that
2: when you have a guy like that, you're basically locking in 50 to 55 wins no
0: matter who else is on the team. A guy like that, I mean I think he's he's one, he's one of one, right? Like there's only one Luka in the NBA and I think no, but I I'm, think... saying, I'm saying level, like stature level, right? If you're talking about yeah. a top five guy like
2: that, like, you know, Giannis, regardless of who's on his team, you're going to win 50 to 55 games and you're going to be in the mix, right? Yep. Jokic, same thing. Uh,
0: let's go down the line. Steph Curry, assuming competent teammates, same right. thing, right? K- KD case- is a question mark because of health, but that's the only question mark. If he's playing every game. Yeah, Joel Embiid also, and Luca.
2: Those are the dudes, right? I mean, you can't count LeBron in that anymore because he's just older, right? Like, it's not the same equation. Having said that, though, like, the Western Conference is going to be a lot better this year. So you still expect them to be a top five, six seed? Because, I mean, let's just go through it. Right now, are they better than the Warriors? I don't think so.
0: Going into the year, they better than the Phoenix Suns. I mean, that one's tough, right? Because the Phoenix right. Suns were the best team in the NBA, but we beat them in the series. And if it, it could go either way with Phoenix. I, yeah. I'm
2: still more bullish on Phoenix as a whole, but I I could see them sliding back, especially be, given Chris Paul's age. Memphis. I I think. How's versus Memphis?
0: Team. I think. Our, I think okay. Denver. Um. Again, the only reason I would say Denver at full health, right? But because they're not, and the same thing with Memphis because they don't have Jaron Jackson. Then for me, it's right. Dallas for sure. Um, yeah, Clippers. I'd say I'd, I'd say the Mavs should be better than both of those teams this Clippers. season. Clippers, they're I, they're like the same as Denver to me, but they're I have them higher because what that team can be at its at its peak. Um, I think there's such a s- sneaky contender this year. And I, I mean, I don't like the Clippers because they have a little rivalry with the Mavs, of course. But... Of course, why, why should you like the Clippers? First of all, the Clippers are a very hateable team. Yeah, they,
2: they, they, their vibe is just hateable. Um, the Pelicans, who came on very strong, and you know, again, health is a big issue. I, I guess my question is, is just like we've seen this with a transcendent star in his first rookie extension right where the front office for whatever reason just never found the right mix and they tried and they tried they never found the right mix of guys around him and that and that's LeBron James's first stint with the Cavs right you know he takes them to the finals at 22 Luca got to the Western Conference Finals and again the league is a lot better now than it was then so I equate the two Um, and it bears repeating though. Like, and then after that, the Cavs took a step back, right. And they got a lot of guys who were washed up. Like it was the, the Antoine Jameson's big contracts. You had the, the Shaquille O'Neal bringing him in, right. You just had folly after folly after folly. So how nervous are you that the Mavericks are, Trending in that direction where ultimately you know Cleveland had its heart broken on, uh, on a press conference at a boys and girls club in Connecticut uh,
0: you know I'm I'd say I'm not nervous yet I think this year will be really telling and the interesting thing to me I mean you listed out all those teams even with brunson leaving to new york and and the infusement of christian wood and javel mcgee the the core of dallas is very similar he's played with tim hardaway for a while now he's played with dwight powell he's played with maxi cleaver dorian these guys have been on the team and with him for for some time for the majority of his nba career so I, and i think that people underrate constantly consistency in the nba and, and how that can impact winning it's why the Warriors have been so good. I was gonna say, I don't think it's underrated anymore. Look at the last two champions, right? And the bucks, of course. Right. And that's the expectation is we think that the Celtics, the bucks and the Warriors can easily be back there next year as well. Yep. And so that's why when you, when you list those Western conference teams, I have, there's much bigger question marks about those teams. Kawhi's coming off a major injury. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray coming off major injuries. The Phoenix Suns just got destroyed in the game seven of the Western of the second round of the playoffs against the Dallas Mavericks when they were the best team in the West. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies, obviously I mentioned the Jaron Jackson injury. And, you know, they have John Morant, who's a transcendent talent. He's fantastic. Desmond Bain has to continue to solidify himself in my mind to be like one of those like fringe all-star kind of guys. He I, I awesome like talent last He was fantastic. But like, let's see if he does it again. You know, a guy that was drafted in the position that he was, the expectation is he's not supposed to be this guy. He has been everything. He has been that and everything more for this team. And I liked Memphis a lot. Um, their head coach went to my high school, so I have a soft spot for them. But nice. I just, nice. yeah, good yeah. I, what? So it's a good stat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool little thing. Um, I'm not worried yet, but it's in the back of my mind. Cause I'd be I'd be heartbroken. I mean, I hope that you know, LeBron James didn't have Dirk Nowitzki in his locker room when he first came into the league. He didn't right. have a guy who stayed on the same team for his entire tenure as an NBA player. Luca did have that, and he has a great relationship with Dirk, who's still in the front office right now. Um, so I think that helps in regards to like building a legacy for himself, which if you're a guy that's that talented, like Luca is, whether you admit it publicly or not, it, it's always something that's on your mind. Um, those are the type of guys that, at that level of talent you have, you have the ability to be talked about in 50 years. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it's a consideration, at least for his camp. Maybe it's not the, the most pressing thing on his mind, but I, I mean, I think in Dallas is one of those cities where, they can really embrace you. The Mavericks have, they did that for Dirk. They already did that, right? The same way that Milwaukee's embracing Giannis and in Golden State, you know, they're embracing Steph Curry. Like, it feels like there's a foundation and a fabric for that. And as long as they're contending every year in the top six, then I think we remain in good positioning. But if something goes wrong, if something goes really wrong, like you're saying, that's when I'm really going to get worried. Hold that thought about the city of Dallas. Because that that's how we're gonna wrap this up, but hold
2: that thought, because we're gonna come back to that in a second. Um, I will say this: one thing in in Luca's favor. I think the pendulum has swung to the other way, where we saw all this player movement, right? We saw all these guys, whether it was LeBron pioneering this, and and Kevin Durant doing what he's doing, and getting the backlash that he's getting. I think we've seen now. Guys basically s- sticking put, right? Giannis stayed put. I mean, Steph Curry's staying put. Jokic staying put. Looks like him. Well, Embiid maybe not so much. We'll see what happens with this Philadelphia front office and their bet on James Harden. But I, I think the pendulum is swinging back to to guys of that ilk being, or you I should know. say, understanding that staying
0: put is sometimes the best route to take. Well, it just goes back to our consistency point, right? Because there's a foundation that's built from the front office stemming down. And if the players take a step away from that, Steph Curry has never been a guy that's influenced the the core decision-making as to player acquisition and who they're right. drafting, right? He has always stayed out of that. Giannis has always stayed out of that. LeBron, which is why they're different, which is why those two guys are above everybody else. And, but I think Embiid to his credit, like Philadelphia is a really tough city to play sports in. Same thing with New York, your hometown, obviously is it's the trickiest of all of them. Just look at a guy that was on the Rangers and then goes up to New York, Joey Gallo. Now he's in the Dodgers because he literally couldn't even get a breath out in New York. He was so hated. I mean, it's, it's wild with that city can do to a player who's not performing at the caliber or at the level that the city wants them to. I mean, look at how highly touted Julius Randle was for, a, for a brief moment. And now look how we feel about him. Right. And that, that moment has, has come and gone. We are, I, I we know. are, we are, we are off. So I think for me, I look at Luca and how he's handled himself. And I think a lot of that has to do with how young he is. Right. He probably doesn't. And, and the language barrier too, which yes, he speaks English, but, not that well still, right? Like right. it's it's def- it's not even his second language. It's his third language. Might even be his fourth for that matter. But I think you know he's he's took a he's taken a step back. I um I just hope that Nico and and Mark make the right decisions and continue to trend upward, even if it's a slow climb up. But you know, sometimes the inaction, which has been a consistent thing for Mavs fans in the off-season. Is really, really frustrating, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not as worried as I was at the beginning of last season, to be completely honest with you, as far because as you made this run, because you've right. proven that you've made this run. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, cause you,
2: now you have something to go on, right? Yeah. If I, if I say the name Colin Sexton, your thoughts, we can't afford it. We just, we, even even given what the market is now, you don't think that he could potentially take like a one-year qualifying
0: offer and just to reset the market? You don't think that's – The, the Schroeder LA deal that he did, the like one for five or whatever? Yeah, or not even I mean, just one
2: for five. I mean what's what's the maximum amount of money that the Mavs can offer? Is it the mid-level exception?
0: Yeah, I think it's our MLE.
2: I mean that that to me for him and Zach Lowe made up this point. And again, I'm not a huge Colin Sexton fan, but you're betting on the pedigree at this point, right? Top ten uh, pick. He was highly touted coming out of it's high school. Guy that,
0: it's a guy that at one point in his young NBA career has already averaged over 20 points in a season. Like right. It,
2: so for him to lock in
0: uh,
2: a three-year deal, those three for um, whatever the number was, I think three for 39, three for 40. Like if he thinks he can get more than that, like why not take the one-year deal? Bet on yourself. And have it be there where more teams have cap space. You think that you think to him as a fit
0: basketball wise. Sure, how does that yeah. fit in Dallas? I, I think it's like it, the fit doesn't even really matter to me. Right. It's just a talent evaluation. And at that point, like I'd rather have Colin Sexton running our second unit than Frank Tilakina. Like, that's just, the, I like Frank's defense, but he's right. not a primary ball handler and and he never will be. But um yeah, I think we're putting too much pressure on him and Hardy and Josh Green in our second unit. And and you can't like, yeah, I think pressure makes diamonds, but it also can break someone. And I, I certainly don't want that to happen to Hardy, who I think has a lot of promise. And I want him to have a slow start in the NBA as far as I don't want a lot of pressure being put on him. Um, yeah. He played, he played well at moments in summer league, but he was also getting double teamed like every single game because right. he was the only competent player that was on that summer league team. Um, not the only, but there, you know, there were a few players on that team. There was a, it was a bleak summer league for maps fans. So I, yeah, I mean, I'd say, yeah, go get Colin Sexton. I have no issue with that. I don't think I'm not worried about fit. I'll take a guy who can score 13, 14 points off the bench for sure.
2: Dallas is a free agent city and we're going to end on this. Yeah. No state income tax in Texas. Owner that seems to be very very player friendly. Why hasn't it worked? Why hasn't it worked for the last better part of a decade, probably even more than 10 years now? And is it because of the curse of Tyson Chandler and their decision not to run back the 2011 championship team, give them a chance to run it back and defend the title? instead of chasing, well, what was it? I think Darren Williams at the time or Dwight Howard or maybe even both. Is the Tyson Chandler curse real because the Mavericks have basically not done squat in free agency for over a decade when all other things point that they should be able to make some moves? So what's going on here?
0: Uh, I think the one reason why I'll say that it's not real is because it hasn't been one decade. It's been two. And we've, we've never been a a city that's gotten big free agents. I think part of that was where the NBA, how the NBA felt about like mid market teams, because Dallas is, it's a big market city, right? But in, in context and the Cowboys are, they're the highest grossing sports team in the world. I think at this point, I think the new count came in and. But for whatever reason, from a basketball standpoint, and I think it's because the franchise isn't quite as old as some of those, the blue bloods, right, that the NBA was founded upon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just always has felt like more mid-market than big market in, in the context of the NBA. But and, now and, the and, numbers are big enough where it shouldn't matter, right? So where is it? Like, why isn't it more desirable? Yeah, I mean, I that's a great question. I, I don't know. We just haven't... We haven't hit, and it's like, it's not like Dirk was standing in the way of other stars. No, he he took less money to stay. Yeah, right. He's like one of the most generous superstars to a senior. Yeah,
2: he left left reportedly like $20 million on the table. I think Cuban under the table is going to take care of him for the
0: rest of his career. But still, Dirk Dirk left money on the table to help him. Yeah, he'll never have to to pay for a meal in Dallas ever. Of course not, Ever. ever. Yeah, um, I I mean no, I don't know. It's it's a valid question. I think at this point it's become financial. So that's my thing. I think in the first ten years, it it was circumstantial, and no one really wanted to come play in Dallas. But now in the last ten years and going forward, it will be financial because so much of our our cap is going to be locked up in Luca that it's just going to be tough to bring another guy on alongside him. And yeah, but you could you've seen teams. He's also, He's right. also a European superstar, right? And so he doesn't have the luxury of, like, growing up with these guys, playing in the same circuit uh, in regards to AU. Like, he hasn't built a relationship with these guys. His, like, closest friend was, like, Vanessa's, Vanessa Spinullis or something like that over in Europe. Like, that guy's not even in the league anymore. Like, right, he loves Drajic. and we're making a big deal about Drajic not being on the Mavericks right now. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. but like that he's was washed
2: the- up and hasn't been good in – three years.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to watch him in EuroBasket, but like in the NBA, like, okay, like he could score 10 points a game, I guess. Do we, is he going to get run in the playoffs? Probably not. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think that's part of it, right? Like Jokic had the luxury of being a second round pick and Denver drafting really well. Murray, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. was the, what was the, what pick 14th. was 14th. 14th right and That's he not,
2: dropped because of the five. back injury he would have been top five
0: yeah yeah so i think you know some of that is like it's good drafting it's great scouting and it's a little bit of luck too i mean we drafted that before we drafted luca we had a top 10 pick and we drafted dsj and that was a bad pick guy's not even in the league anymore you saw him in new york like he's oh yeah not, not a player oh, yeah pen. Not a player that can thrive in the current iteration of what NBA basketball is. Never was a good enough shooter. Never. So I, it's tough, right? Josh Green hasn't panned out like we wanted him to. And we needed to hit on those picks in retrospect, if We want to look back and we want to get nitpicky. Like Luca needed those picks to hit, to, to be at the Warriors level of contention. I still have a little
2: faith in Josh Green. I don't know what, like, I don't know why at a certain point, I think it's on the Mavericks and I think it's on the front office to say, play the guy like he needs consistent minutes to see what we have here, because if he's not going to play, then what are we doing?
0: Which the Mavericks have never been a great player development city. Right. When you look at that 2011 championship, it was a lot of guys who were vets who they pulled from different places and put together. Marion Kidd, Deshaun Stevenson, Jason, Mary, Terry. Pe- Peja. like a lot of these guys, Knew their role in the NBA. That's Tyson Chandler. That's why they worked so well together and and thrived when it came to that that playoff run and were fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's I don't see. I don't think we'll ever. I don't think we'll see a championship like that. Maybe for the rest of the NBA's life cycle, I, it's nearly impossible as we mentioned with the the level of talent that's out there now.
2: Which is why I ultimately think that the NBA is going to add two two teams
0: where do you want to see
2: him where do i want to see this teams i mean seattle and vegas like they seattle has to have a team again like it's absurd that they don't it's crazy uh but and vegas obviously you know has become a, a basketball infrastructure with the way summer league goes over there and and you know just with sports betting becoming as big as it is and and i think the nba is embracing it but yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think they're gonna to have to add two teams because I think the talent level is rich enough. But I, I just, I find it fascinating. The Mavericks to me are fascinating because of the Lucas situation and because of the fact that they've, for as good of a city as it is, it makes no sense that they come up empty in free agency the way they do. It's crazy, it's crazy to me. I, and it's gonna be interesting to see where they fall in the pecking order of the Western Conference. Thanks again to recurring guest, Believe's own, Alex Tesopoulos for coming on. FYI, FYI, we had some technical difficulties. The last couple of minutes of this conversation got cut off, got deleted. It didn't record properly. I don't know where it is. Technology has failed me for the hundredth time, but it is what it is. Still some good stuff from him. That's episode 169.
1: For the love of the game, take us out, Ice Cube. Today was like one of those spy dreams. Didn't even see a berry flash flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for a murder. Two in the morning, got the fat burger. Even saw the lights of the Good Year blink and it read Ice Cube's a pimp. Drunk as the boy, no throwing up halfway home, and my pager still. Blank. Today I didn't even have to use my AK I gotta say it was a good day